Well, happy uh, first Sunday of summer. Obviously, none of you guys had plans, so you're all here. No, I'm just joking. Um, what a great morning. Um, super excited. We're going to be baptizing Jeremiah and anybody else that wants to get baptized today. So we've got a uh, tub of mildly lukewarm water that is uh, prepared. So um, at the end, we'll, we'll give an opportunity if, if anybody does, if this has been something that God's been working on your heart um, you know, this is, uh, well, I'll talk more about it at the end, but it's definitely an opportunity to, uh, to participate in that, to declare what God has done in your heart. And that's, that's the key. That's what this is. This isn't a me show, right? This isn't a I'm special. It, it's a God does his miraculous work in our hearts. I mean, everything else aside, he changes hearts, he changes affections. Like that, you can't do on your own. That is the work of God. And so it's a beautiful thing. So me doing that. And then we're going to be hanging out and celebrating and eating food. And uh, so hopefully we've got, uh, you know, a, a smattering of things. Please hang out and just be the body of Christ and hang out and talk to people and meet people that you haven't met before. We're going to start doing this every first Sunday. So July 3rd will be the next one. So I don't know if you guys want to do like red, white, and blue stuff or, you know, whatever. Um, but, um, but anyway, so an exciting day, but... Um, First, let me, um, let, me, let me start with prayer. Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that we have the privilege to come into this place and exalt you and to honor you and to glorify you with the words that come out of our mouths. And, <clears throat> and you know, God, that, that singing isn't all of our uh, expertise, but I pray, Father, that our hearts would be so filled in awe of you that we can't help but sing, because you are worthy of our praise. And as we walk through your scripture and we, we see what you have done, what you are doing in our lives for our good and your glory, we are just in awe of you. And we thank you, Father your son. We thank you for this time. I pray that as we walk through the scripture, that you would shape our thoughts, change our affections, change our minds, help us to see you more clearly. That's our prayer this morning. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Well, I'm Jonathan. I'm one of the pastors here. If I didn't get to meet you on the way in, I'm sorry. I was uh, rebooting a computer, <laughs> so apologize. Um, but um, please hang out. And if you didn't bring anything, you're still welcome to stay and eat. So, I mean, I assume we all have homes and we can all, you know, if it's just an appetizer course for everybody, then that's totally cool too. So um, please don't feel like you had to bring something that you forgot and now you can't stay. That's not the, that's not the case. Um, so we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 this morning. Um, and we're going we're gonna to dive through this, but, but what I want to do is I want to back up a little bit, and I want to kind of look at where Paul has been, um, really starting in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and kind of walking his way through. So kind of looking at this from like a 30,000-foot view, and, and what, uh, what's his perspective? What's God's perspective in all this? Because this chapter in particular, I, it took me a while to like 
not get into the weeds, okay? So I'm not going to get into the weeds of this one. Next, next week will be a little bit different. Um, but we're, we're kind of trying to back up and go, what's the context? What's his perspective? What is he trying to communicate? What does God want us to know in this continuity of thought that Paul has, okay? Um, and so what did we see, right? We, we saw that for a while, for the last few chapters, Paul has been saying, like, you're free. You're free. Like, in Christ... We are now free. We're free to marry or stay single, right? Like the cultural norms of the day and even today don't matter. If God calls you to singleness, then he calls you to singleness. And if he calls you to marriage, then great, he calls you to marriage. But it's okay. Like you're free to do what you want to do. Um, He goes on and he says that you're free to um, eat food sacrificed to idols, right? Not a very common one for us today, but probably the best one would be like, you know, maybe... uh, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't planned out this thought. So I'm going to stop right there. But, um, but there, there's, some, there's some implications, and we can kind of correlate that one of like, hey, how, how close can I get to these other faiths? And, and like, how can I, you know, not participate, but, you know, maybe, maybe explore? I don't know. Anyway, I'm going to stop. Um, and, then he, and then he goes on and he says, like, hey, for pastors, like, you can get paid or you cannot get paid. Like, you're free to do either one. What, what are you convinced of in your own mind? Like, what are you convicted of? And so he kind of just breaks down all these things, and he's like, you're free. You do whatever you want. And what does he say in chapter 6? He says, all things are lawful, which all doesn't mean all, okay, at least in that context, right? He says, all things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. And that's the guiding principle that God gives us, which is beautiful, isn't it? It's like, you can do whatever you want. Just, Just think about what you're doing. Be purposeful, be intentional, and think, is this building up of God's church, his kingdom, is it glorifying him, or is it glorifying yourself? Is it, is it hurtful, or is it helpful? And man, we could just, we could walk out these doors, and if we just took that and went, let me apply this into my life, I think we'd, we'd be on a pretty good track. And, and what Paul does is, in, in chapter 10, he brackets it. In 6, he says that verse, or that, that saying, all things are lawful, but all things are helpful. And then in 10, he does the same thing. And so he's trying to bracket this thing. And he goes, you're free, you're free, you're free. And then, <laughs> and then in chapter 10, he, and we talked about this last week, right? He goes, but you're not free to go and worship idols. You're, you, you can't do that. In, in fact, you shouldn't. You should flee from idolatry. So like, you're free, but there's, there's constraints here in your freedom. And he, and he established it ba- based on our uni- us being united to Christ, right? That was the Lord's Supper. We talked about that last week, that like this communion that we do, quite frankly, the communion that we're gonna have afterwards, the family gathering, hanging out, right? Both of these things are opportunities for us to declare that we're united to Christ and united to each other. And so he says, you can't just go and be a part of the world and have all these idols and then come in here on a Sunday morning and go, yay, I'm going to put in my time with God. That's not the point. And he says, so, so you, you aren't free in that sense. And then if you, if you went through chapter 11 this week, um, hopefully you read some articles that I posted, but that was some pretty challenging scripture. Um, you know, if you have youth in here, they just went through it again in you. So I would, I would encourage us to, to keep diving in, and, and Paul's just going to get more and more difficult as we finish up 1 Corinthians and some of these issues and things that he's talking about. But what he specifically talks about in chapter 11 is that 
you're not free to, to, uh, to discard authority. There's still authority. And, and that's a tough one. And he goes, you know, God created Adam and Eve, and, and this is the authority, and this is the, the order that God created inside the church and inside of marriages. And he says, like, this is how this is intended to be. Just like Christ was, had God as his authority in the same sense. It didn't, it didn't uh, decrease his equality with God. It didn't make him inferior. But there's order, and God is a God of order. And this is what Paul's going to continue to carry on through the rest of 1 Corinthians. And so he talks about all this freedom, and he says, okay, but these are the things that you can't do, right? Like, you don't want to do all of these other things. Like, there's, there's some constraints, okay? You guys with me? So this is his broad kind of overview of what's going on. And then chapter 12, he, sh- he well, actually, in chapter 11, he starts to shift where he goes, look at this inside of this gathering, inside of the church, right? Like each local body, like you cannot just do whatever you want to do. And that's where he talks about the order and the service. And, and he talks about what the Lord's Supper is. And he, he talks about these different things. Well, this morning, he's going to talk even more about some of those things and, and what God does in and through us specifically as it relates to spiritual gifts. And this is a tough one. And his overarching point that we're going to see as we kind of walk through this is that God has given us spiritual gifts for the common good, for the church, for his glory. That's it. He's equipped us. He's given each one of us different things to be able to to contribute to this body. And that's his intentions. That's his purpose. And so we don't want to take these things and say, these are mine. I got these. Right? And we're going to dive into a little bit more of what the implications of that are. But this is where he goes, be careful how you use these things. You cannot just do whatever you want. We need to be thinking about what's helpful, what's glorifying to God. And so that's the point, the big picture summary of what he's going to talk about. And so in, in a re- very real sense, our individual freedom and our collective freedom as a church sometimes needs to be restrained. And so he kind of says, gives the good news of like, you know, hey, you're free. You can do whatever you want. And he's like, okay, but hey, not, not, not whatever you want, right? And so that's kind of how this works. So we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. The verses will be on the screen. Um, and we're going to go through all of chapter 12. And um, I think we'll do it fairly expeditiously, but, uh, but just bear with me here. All right. So let me, let me start by giving you, uh, right before I start, the context of um, the Corinthian church. And, and I, don't, I don't often like to say, oh, well, these were the Corinthians, and they had this very weird, aberrant type of thing. Like, honestly, the Corinthians were pretty close to us. Uh, it's a very similar cultural uh, milieu, if you will. Like, it's very similar. And, and so what, he, what they were doing was spirituality, the word was like a thing, and it was like an objective, right? Like, like people before Christ, before people knew of Christ or anything, like it was just this, there was this, it was good to be spiritual. Maybe you've heard this today. Maybe you've encountered somebody and you're like, hey, you know, do you follow Christ or do you go to church? And they go, no, but I'm very spiritual. And so this is what, this is the context that Paul's operating on. What does that really mean? And so we're going to read the first three verses here in chapter 12. He says, now, Concerning spiritual gifts. Now, I'll just stop real quick. That word gifts isn't really there. 
okay? It's, it's, it's put in in the context of the scripture. So it, it could also be like spiritual things or spiritual people, or it, it, it probably could also say spirituality. So he says like kind of concerning spirituality, like concerning these spiritual things. And you'll see why they put in gifts here in a second. He says, now consider, concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. I've actually struggled with that verse for quite some time. I've never really spent the time digging into it, but I'm like, I can say whatever I want, right? People can say whatever they want. I, I don't, it seems as though he says like, no, 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 you, nobody with the spirit of God can say Jesus is a curse. Well, I literally just said it. So how, what is he saying here, right? And, and likewise, he's like, nobody can say Jesus is Lord unless they're a follower of Christ. And I go, man, I feel like you oversimplified this a little bit, Paul, Right? So what's his point here? And honestly, and this goes into the larger context of this idea of spirituality. So in that day, we don't see this quite as much, but spirituality was like a one-upmanship. It's like I'm, I'm very spiritual. And, and so by being spiritual, it means I can do like spiritual things to you. I can curse you, right? I mean, hopefully... You've never been, like, somebody's never said, I'm cursing you, like, legitimately, like, trying to put a curse on you. But, but that's kind of how it was. And so it was like, I'm putting a curse on you. Now, if that person had, like, was, was a known spiritual person, that would be a scary thing, wouldn't it? You'd be like, I don't know what that means, but I'm now, right? And we, we see this in the movies. And so this was what Paul was addressing. He's like, this, this spirituality of, like, cursing people and like trying to this one-upmanship of being this like spiritual person he's like that that has nothing to do with anything and so he's gonna he's gonna expand on what this means here in a second but you know that that idea of spirituality it kind of communicates this like this kind of perceived maturity that you're you know you're above the fray i'm a i'm a, I'm a spiritual person you know i'm, I'm one with the earth you know, or, or maybe I'm not one with the earth. I'm, I'm, I'm beyond the earth, right? And, and it's kind of got this, like, like, what do you say to that? I'm like, well, that's great. How did you get there? Like, what, you know, like, do you, do you say, like, mantras? Do you, like, meditate? Do you, do, can you levitate? Like, what? How does this work in your life? And so this was the context that Paul was speaking into. And, and quite frankly, it doesn't, it's, it's not, a far Google search to go, how do I become spiritual? It's a pretty interesting road to go down, by the way. And so this is the context that Paul is addressing. And then look at what he says in verse four. He says, now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. Okay, that word there, gifts, Paul shifts. So like I said, earlier on in 12.1, that word gifts isn't there. It's actually pneuma, uh, so it's like spirit, breath, like spiritual things. What he uses here, he says, now there are, a vari- there are varieties of gifts. That word gifts is charisma. You guys heard that word? Yeah, right? It's a very common word. In fact, what's charisma? Charisma is somebody that's very outgoing, talks a lot, right? Uh, you know, somebody that, that is very energetic, um, right? Like that, and you say, oh, that person's got charisma. 
Or maybe if you're in uh, Christian circles for a while, you think of charismatic churches, right? Churches that gather together and it's lively, okay? It's a, it's a very energetic church service. It's different, right? It's charismatic. Do you know what charis is, the root of that word? Anybody know? Grace. That's grace. The word grace that you see in Scripture is charis. It's a very, very same word. I mean, obviously, it's the, it's the noun versus the, the whatever. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> I'll just keep rolling. Um, it's, it's, it's a free gift, right? That's what grace is. It's undeserved merit. It's God giving us something that we don't deserve. And so in this context where he says charisma, that's a freely given gift. This is fundamental to everything that we're going to talk about for the rest of this morning. It's a freely given gift to you from somebody else, God. That's what makes you spiritual. And we're going to see this as we, as we dive in through it. And he says, so there are varieties of charisma. There are varieties of these freely given gifts. You see how important this is. So Paul takes this shift. He goes, you're, you're thinking like Numa. You're thinking like, which Numa is like breath, and, and it's like this kind of just spiritual type of thought, right? And so he goes, you're thinking that. He goes, no, no, no. This is, these are freely given gifts. And so he's going to dive into that in uh, verse 5 and 6. He says, and there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. Okay. Again, everyone is in everyone. <laughs> okay. He's saying that, that God empowers followers of Christ, those who have the Holy Spirit. And again, we'll see more of this if you're, if you're questioning my, my uh, extrapolation there. But He's saying God empowers you with this. God has given you these gifts. There's, there's activities, there's, there's service, there's gifts. God has given you these things. In fact, what he's going to say is that's what makes you spiritual. You're not spiritual because you go out in the desert and, you know, spend a month there every year staring at the stars. That doesn't make you spiritual. It doesn't make you spiritual because you're, you, you have this otherworldly and like just the, the cares of the world just don't touch me for some reason. That's not what it is. It's, in fact, God who's given that to you. Quick note, if you guys look at those verses, you guys see the Trinity in there? Super cool. He says there's a variety of gifts, but the same spirit. Varieties of service, but the same Lord. Varieties of activities, but it's the same God. It's pretty cool. Right, so even in these very, you know, when, when people, and this is kind of a totally side note, but even when people talk about, well, it never says Trinity in the Bible, you're like, yeah, but it was very clear throughout that it's like there's different functions and different purposes and different uh, roles and whatnot of the triune God. And so you, you see a quick uh, inference to that here in those. All right, so, so here's God who has given us these Free gifts, these charisma. That, by the way, that doesn't mean that you have to be, uh, it doesn't mean you have to have charisma, okay? He, he, you know, you, you don't look around and you go, the people that, are, that have charisma are the ones that the Holy Spirit has, uh, has dwelt in. That, that's not how that works. He's, it's, it's a broader term that talks about the free gift, okay? Now, look what it says in verse 7. 
It says, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit, big S, the Holy Spirit. Manifestation means like actual, like you can see it, like it produces something, like it's tangible in some sense. For what? The common good. This is Paul's summary statement. What is the point of God doing these things in our lives? And we'll get into like the, what these things are in a bit. But he says it's for the common good, right? So again, this is why I did the summary at the beginning. He's talking about you have the freedom to do anything you want, as long as it's helpful, as long as it's building up the church. God is giving you gifts. He's giving you talents. He's giving you affections and desires in your heart. He's made you so that he's manifested the spirit in you so that he can use you for what? The common good. What is the common good? The church, the local church, the broader church, being a light in dark places in the world, the common good, like the good of humanity, on mission, living for a purpose. Like that's what he's saying here the very beginning. All right, let's get in verse eight. He says, for to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues, and these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. All right, so there's a listing here. I'm not going to go through all of them right now, okay? Not because I'm deflecting. <sighs> a little bit. No, next week we're going we're gonna to spend more. When we get into chapter 14, you'll see that he kind of dives in a little bit more. So I'm going to spend time next week talking about these. And that gives me a little more, uh, another week to do a little more studying. <laughs> This is tough because there's stuff in that list that you read and you're like, really? Right? Um, so I'll just be really frank with you guys. I'm really struggling with this. I, I haven't done a lot of studying in this respect, and I'm like, that's, that's, that, that's, that's some different stuff. And there's some people in the church that I've talked to about it, and I'm gonna get, going to continue because this is tough, right? If This is Scripture. This is what God is saying. So we got to make sure that we're interpreting it correctly. Okay. But for this morning, <laughs> we're talking about the big picture of the context of these things. So here's this list. He actually gives another list in Romans chapter 12. It's actually pretty easy. So if you want to go and read this stuff on your home, 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12. Those are really the two um, big lists here. Romans 12, 6, he says, um, Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, in proportion to our faith. If service, in our serving. The one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Different lists, right? So I'll just leave it out here right now that it doesn't seem like his intention is to make these exhaustive lists. These aren't necessarily complete lists. He's using them to kind of make a quick reference to the gifts, but his focus is what? 
how are they, uh, how are they, how does God intend to use them in us, right? That's his focus right now. Like in the corporate structure of church, right, in our own lives, how are we supposed to use them? Well, first, we're supposed to use them for the common good, okay? All right, verse 12. So this is actually cool too. And if you go back in Romans uh, 12, just before what I read, he's gonna actually make the exact same metaphor. And so this metaphor is wonderfully providentially provided to us because it helps us understand what God is trying to communicate to us here. All right, so um, the metaphor is of the body. You hear the expression, the body of Christ, right? The church body. This is, this is where this is coming from, all right? So verse 12 says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. All right, you guys get that metaphor here. So what what God is saying is, first, there's specific gifting. Like, God intentionally chose to give you, if you're a follower of Christ, and the Holy Spirit dwells in you, your affections have been changed, God has rescued you and reconciled you to the Father. If that's, if that's happened, then he is saying that he has given you a gift. Not just salvation, but a gift to be used. He made you a hand, he made you a foot, he made you ears or eyes, I don't know. He made you something. Why? For the common good but it's specific to you, right? Look at what it says in, in verse 18. But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. That means if you walked in this door and you are part of this body, God put you as part of this body. It's kind of cool, right? And you're like, no, that's not true. Google put me here because I searched and that's how I found the church. You know, no, that's not how that works. And not only that, but he intends to use you in this body. Let's just dwell on that for a second. Because that's not how many think and operate. And in fact, the fact that I stand up here and talk all the time makes it seem as though that's not how that operates. I mean, it's, it's an it's a incredible metaphor. I am no more important to this church than you are. You believe that? That's what God says. I believe that. I meant to bring this up beforehand, so don't be offended for the person that I'm going to say this to, okay? 
I'm not, I'm not a, I, I'll just, I probably shouldn't say this. I'm not offended by this. This was not, I, I did not take offense to this, okay? So as I, as I, I won't call out your name, but <laughs> you're going you're gonna to hate me later. But I, I was not offended by this. But as I'm writing this and I'm thinking through this, I'm like, this is a good example. I get introduced at a party as my pastor. I'm like, well, I'm your friend. I'm your brother in Christ, right? Now, nobody's wrong, but, but that's how you guys see me. That's how you see Gene. That's how you see Brian, right? That's how you see BJ. Like, and there's not wrong. I mean, <laughs> I, am a, I am one of the pastors, but there's a, there's a sense that it's a, it's a more significant role. But what God says is that you're, you're each important, equally important. I'm obviously a mouth. <laughs> Would we all agree on that? <laughs> but there's some of you that are ears. Did, did you hear what so-and-so said? Man, they, they said that. Did you, did you read between the lines there? I'm like, no, I totally missed that. <laughs> There's people that are seeing things, right, that are interacting in the church going, man, they, they seem a little disconnected. Yeah. You see, don't, don't think of these giftings necessarily as these big, you know, don't paint this with like broad strokes, right? What's the job, what's my job in the church? That has nothing to do with it. How did God gift you? And are you using it for the common good? This is fundamental, and this is something you guys need to take home. And you need to really be praying about this and going, and don't, again, don't hear me wrong. I'm not trying to fill our volunteer pool here, right? We're in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 because we're going through 1 Corinthians, and that's just where we're at, right? What he's saying, and, and quite frankly, a lot of the volunteer positions are just functional, right? They, they may not line up with gifting necessarily, right? Gene fills a baptismal like you read about really gifted at it, right? <laughs> you see what I'm saying? It actually, it was fairly miraculous this morning. Um, <laughs> we were almost going to sprinkle. Um, <laughs> your theology changes really quickly when you run out of a pool of water. Um, anyway. <laughs> but, but the question is, is what is our gifting? How does God intend to use us? And it doesn't matter your age. It doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian. It doesn't matter, right? Like, God, if God brought you in through this door, like, he intends to use you for the common good. He's given you a specific gift that nobody else knows, quite frankly. I mean, it's something that we really don't, and, and here's why. Here, here's why I think we struggle with this, because it becomes about me. It's a false humility where we go, well, I just, I don't want to tell people I'm really good at this. I don't want to tell people I really care about this. I don't want to tell people. Well, God gave you that affection. God gave you that desire. God gave you that concern. He gave it to you. He equipped me to be up here. I didn't do this. He did this. This is just my role. What's yours? And that's his point in these verses. All right, so what's the point? So, so here it is. God's given us all these specific gifts. They're for the common good. Look at what he says in verse 21. 
He says, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. Just hang on that one for a second. Because that is completely opposite of how we see church. The weaker parts, right? Not the showy parts. The weaker parts, the subtle parts, are what to God? Indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. This metaphor is so good, right? Like if my hand hurts, which I've got a blister a couple, so if my hand hurts, my brain knows my hand hurts, right? If my, if I, I'm gonna sound like an old man up here. If my hip hurts, right? I have to pick hip, right? If my hip hurts, then my other leg is compensating for it, right? So it is here. So it is. If you hurt, the body's here. If you're rejoicing, the body's here. This is, this is his point. The gifts create unity. How, how backwards is that, right? Because when we read those gifts, it was kind of like, oh, well, you know, that one sounds like a fun one for like registering for college courses. I'm like, well, that'd be interesting. I'll take that one, God. That's not how this is. That's not how this is at all. In fact, the gifts are meant to create unity, not to divide. We're gonna talk more about that next week. But this is fundamental, right? Because we should not be looking at each other going, man, I wish they were doing something a little bit, a little bit more. I wish he would do something a little bit less. <laughs> I wish. No, that's not it at all. It's not intended to divide. It's intended for us to appreciate and recognize and love each other. You, because what it does is it, it shows us that we are brothers and sisters in Christ, that we are in fact one body. And I'll extrapolate this, and I won't spend a lot of time on this, but I think this is the way God sees the, the macro-level church as well. We are different than Fruit Cove Baptists right over here. It's okay. It's supposed to be that way. You know, it's funny. It's often a critique. Man, if you drive down San Jose, <laughs> I think you hit every denomination by the time you go five miles. And, and often that's seen as a critique. I don't see that as a critique. I see that as God going, no, this one brings this. This one brings this. This one brings this. Each one of us personally and each church is bringing a different perspective of God. They're emphasizing a different piece of the characteristics of God. So it's unity. You guys get that? It's like it totally flips our understanding of, of how these things are intended to be or how we often apply them. And so it creates unity in our lives. All right, verse 27. 
He says, now you are the body of Christ, and individually, members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way. And so he, again, don't get caught up on the list, okay? You guys can read through that. I'm really teeing up next week. And I don't even know what I'm going to say. Um, he's not concerned with it. He, he's trying to emphasize, you're not all the same. Don't all try to be the same. And yet that's what our culture does. I want to be like that person. I want to be like that person. I want to be like that person. No, God made you you. In, in all your idiosyncrasies and all your quirks and your charisma or not, right? He made you you. This isn't like a self-help thing. I'm not trying to, to make you feel better about yourself. That's not the point of this. Although it, it does provide that. This is God that has equipped you and made you exactly who you are. To, and he brought you exactly here for this time and this place to contribute to the common good to glorify him. To support each other, to create unity in this body. This is beautiful. Isn't this an incredibly beautiful scripture? Now, here's the sad part. Man, people dive into all those little gifts and they start arguing, <laughs> right? Uh, humans. <laughs> and so this is where he's going. All right, so I will tell you, verse 31, I'm just, I'm just mind blown on this. I, and I don't, I, I really struggle with it because in everything that he's been saying, okay, so take it, everything I've summarized, then he says at the end, but earnestly desire the higher gifts. All right, well, that just seems like you just went counter to everything you've been talking about, doesn't it? It sounds like he's saying, yeah, but these ones are better. <laughs> just gonna tell you, try to, try to be like that. If you're an ear, that's great, but try to be an eye, because eyes are better. Doesn't it, isn't, it, isn't that what it sounds like in verse 31? All right, now I will tell you, there might be some people in here that are a little upset with me on this. All right, I am still trying to figure this verse out because there's a couple different options as to how people interpret that. Paul does a lot of sarcasm. Paul does a lot of rhetorical questions, right? The punctuation here drives a lot of our thinking, right? And most of your Bibles, it probably has in the very next line, he says, but earnest, I don't even know if I finished it. Um, in verse 31, he says, but earnestly desire the higher gifts and I will show you a still more excellent way. So, but it's, I, in fact, I had to even adjust the slide because it was on two separate slides in a different line. That's not how it is in, in the Greek manuscript, okay? It's just, just words, words, words. <laughs> There's no punctuation. Actually, it's just letters, 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 okay? And so the question then is, is he being rhetorical there? Remember the context of, of Corinth. Everybody's being spiritual. People are saying curse, right? Like it's this very like kind of one-upmanship. Is, is he saying, but you're earnestly desiring the higher gifts, but I'll show you a more excellent way. I'll show you something better than what you're doing. That's one interpretation, okay? There's another interpretation 
that says legitimately there are higher gifts. There are more important gifts, okay? And there's a third interpretation that says that this is talking to the body collectively. Like there's all these gifts, but don't spend the time on a Sunday morning just working miracles. Preach the word, right? Like collectively you should be prioritizing the gifts that are exhorting and encouraging and uplifting and, and educating, right? So, so those are really kind of the three dominant interpretations of that verse. And I don't know which one I believe. <laughs> but you got to take it in the full context. Okay, I'm going to leave you guys with this, okay? This next week, you're going to go through 1 Corinthians 13. Very common, very common, common chapter and verses. It's the love chapter. Everybody loves it, right? So it's always quoted in weddings and all this stuff, right? Every card that you get, and right? As long as it's got the little cross and the hallmark thing or whatever, right? It's not about love. <laughs> it's, not, it's definitely not about relational, like, husband and wife, boyfriend and girlfriend love. Come off of chapter 12 into chapter 13, and then read chapter 14. What Paul is saying is the more excellent way, he's like, I'll show you a more excellent way. Forget all of that. Love each other. Love. Stop, stop pursuing these gifts that, that elevate you. Stop battling. Stop creating diver, uh, uh, divisions. Love each other. Use these gifts to edify each other, to encourage each other, rejoice with each other, right? Like, this is his point, and that's what all of chapter 13 is gonna be about. So it's kind of kind of gives you, I might have just ruined chapter 13 for you and what you've historically thought, but God did that for me uh, two weeks ago. So, um, all right. So that's the broad picture, okay? I was almost gonna ask if there's any questions. <laughs> I really almost did. Ah. So.